Welcome to The Vital Vagina, where we delve into brave and crucial conversations about the womb and feminine power. This podcast is not just for people with vaginas. We all come from the womb, and there is much for everyone to learn from this place of deep wisdom. I'm your host, Dr. Danielle Cornelius. I'm a chiropractor and holistic pelvic care provider. I've been working in the feminine healing realm for nearly a decade, and I am honored to bring this work and these stories to light. Hello, Dr. Brett Jones. Welcome to the Vital Vagina Podcast. I am beyond honored to be on your podcast, sister. <laughs> thank you so much. And thank you also for helping being part of the inception of this podcast. Um, for people who don't know who you are, you are a chiropractor and you teach the art of chiropractic, but you're also a business mentor and you've been helping me quite a lot. And you really pushed me to get this podcast going a couple months ago. And I'm super grateful. And I think people have been really enjoying the conversation so far. And it's been a really fun, creative outlet for me as well. So I thank you. You are very welcome. <laughs> um, could you please tell us a little bit more about yourself, specifically what I'm interested in? You also have a podcast you've called The Sacred Masculine, mm -hmm. and it's no surprise to people who know me that I was a little turned off by chiropractic in the beginning um, because it felt really aggressive and what some people might call, quote unquote, hyper masculine to me. Mm -hmm in the beginning. And what really pulled me into your work was how you're, even though there's a lot of masculinity involved, there was a real honoring of the feminine that I hadn't sensed yet within chiropractic, even amongst females. Mm. And so I'm curious what drew you to that work in the first place and what has inspired you to move forward with the sacred masculine work? Absolutely. Um, so, you know, when I, when I first started my, my student chiropractic career, I was very intrigued uh, initially actually by its philosophy, which um, I, feel, I feel like very few people even understand that chiropractic has its own philosophy, a very distinct philosophy. Yeah. And um, in reading of the history of chiropractic and um, how chiropractic originated and really the people uh, that they were helping, because, you know, most people see chiropractic today as somewhere you go when you have a musculoskeletal complaint, right? So if mm -hmm. I have a hip pain or if I have a shoulder pain or neck pain or back pain or maybe even headaches, that this is somebody that might be able to help me. That had nothing <laughs> to do with why chiropractic uh, originated. So chiropractic originated ultimately to help the sickest of the sick. Mm -hmm. And so people were only going to the chiropractor after, you know, filling out of everything else. So they'd went to the medical doctor, they went to da, 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 and it didn't matter if they had pancreas issues or gallbladder issues or stomach issues or fever or you, like you name it. Those were the type of people that were going to the chiropractor. Like, well, why are they going to the chiropractor for that? Well, because <laughs> ultimately chiropractic was about the nerve system. And so in the philosophy, it says that there's this innate wisdom of the body that uh, when fully expressed has the ability to heal the body. Mm -hmm. And so it's the goal of the chiropractor to remove that which is interfering with life. Mm -hmm. And the chiropractor accomplishes that by making uh, adjustments to the spine because the master, master control system of the body is the nerve system. And that nerve system, the spinal cord and then the peripheral nerves all run through the spine. So then it was theorized that if the nerve system is the master control system 
of this of the body. And there are these spinal subluxations or misalignments that create interference to the communication of that nerve system, then that is the interference to life. And so um, very interesting when people first started chiropractic school, you know, how long did they go for? They went until they got the big idea. <laughs> <laughs> Which is funny, what is the but, big idea, by the way? Yeah, exactly. It's it, that there is an inner wisdom yeah. that heals. Yeah. That's the big idea. <laughs> and when when you understand that and the bigness of that, in the fullness of that, in the depth of that, then your being ultimately in your in your confidence, in your certainty, in your expression, in your personality, in everything that you are represents that people that are coming to see you are starting to to get the big idea by information being communicated through your hands and through your touch that yo yes you might be feeling this stuff in your body and remind I'm going to remind you that you are also much more that you are this intelligence that organizes this living system. And when you are reminded to the depth of you of who you are by removing the interferences to your nerve system, that you can more clearly perceive the depths of your being. And in that moment, you will heal because healing is revealing your wholeness. Hmm. So <laughs> I come into school, right, with that. Like that, maybe not that depth, you know, I've, I've yeah. layered this on throughout the years, yeah, yeah. but at least like an insight on that. And, and I got to read about these amazing chiropractic miracle stories, which really aren't miracles or everyday occurrences, but because we're not used to them now, they, they appear as miracles, but people healing from anything and everything. Yeah. And, um, so I go in with that level of, of, uh, at least excitement <laughs> for chiropractic and um, I, I immediately got to see a little bit more of the realization of what is today because, you know, chiropractors have drifted away from those principles. Now, there's still, there's still a few um, that are committed to the depths of what it means to, to be a chiropractor, but it does seem like there is also quite a few that have really put some limitations on, on what is possible. So yeah. in that process – of seeing the limits, I wanted to know, well, if they were doing this previously, what were they doing that was making it successful? And that led me to interviewing um, people in the profession that I really looked up to that were achieving results that I wanted to achieve. And so that led to me developing a training system um, which is now called Kairos Training Culture. And that's where we go around the world leading these training camps to really restore uh, the roots of chiropractic by, by through artistry, you know, through movement, through connection, through breath work, through meditation. And um, the bigness of that is one of the biggest things that was coming up when I was interviewing people was presence and listening. <laughs> so, Unfortunately, I agree uh, there's still a dominance in the chiropractic profession of masculinity, mm -hmm. both for female and male and anything in between. Yep. And what that means is there's a heavy focus on the doing. 
Yeah. What do I need to do to this person to achieve whatever result? Instead of how do I need to listen and feel and acknowledge this person for the depths of who they are? And what I've realized is that I'm developing a, a process. A process, for instance, somebody comes in. The, the typical um, analysis is I'm here to find out what's wrong with you, what's dysfunctional, what the subluxations are, which all has like this neg- somewhat negative connotation. And also when people don't understand this, when you diagnose something, you are actually limiting the potential of that expression because now you're starting to box it in and create mm-hmm. separateness. Yep. And so what I've realized, it starts with being space and being love, having an appreciation for the person on the table, seeing their essence and curiosity and wonder. And I'm discovering somebody versus diagnosing them. And in the discovery, there's trust. And with trust comes vulnerability. And with vulnerability comes access. Access to what? <laughs> access to the depths of the being. That's why, that's why I'm here. That's why I do what I do. To, yeah. to, to help beings, by being the sacred mirror, be, help beings realize the depths of who they are. And so what I found was that the majority of the qualities needed to be an amazing chiropractor are feminine. Yeah. <laughs> And so that was the kind of the start of the process, even though I don't think I had the correct language for it at that time. I, I thought I was just listening and meditating and da, da, da. I didn't, I didn't really uh, have the words yet to understand, oh, shoot, I'm, I'm learning to balance feminine and masculine traits. But it's actually funny. Now, looking back, Danielle, um, I came from a hyper-masculine background, hyper-masculine. Yeah. I was a I was a football player, college college football player. Right after college football, I went into mixed martial arts. And um it was a great strategy for that time because I carried a lot of anger. You know, yeah. I had I had a really rough childhood and how I distributed like that anger was wasn't quote unquote safe places, you know, being yeah. sports mainly. I had a few fights outside of that, but um <laughs> <laughs> but that was kind of how the mind, that was my coping mechanism. My coping mechanism was releases through violence. Yeah. And um, I remember actually now very, um, very, very interestingly, um, when I first started chiropractic school, I was having a hard time because I was no longer, you know, I, I went from hitting people for a living to, wanting to put my hands on them in a soft way, yeah. you know, in a gentle way. Yeah. And it was very tough for me. My, my, my first two, three quarters, I remember like I was getting, getting like little bouts of um, like this, all this excess energy I didn't know what to do with mm. and um, was leading to like momentary outbreaks because at the time I'd been, I just, I was training MMA my first two quarters and then I stopped mm. and um yeah, I didn't. I, I didn't realize like I, I didn't know how to distribute my energy very well. Um, but anyway, that was a long, a long, I guess a long route to uh, answer the original question of that's what kind of started me in the feminine process, and I believe it's also led to the podcast that just launched called The Sacred Masculine. 
Nice. Yeah, I had a similar experience with chiropractic school because I had read some stories and I had a little bit of a spiritual background, even though it was pretty private to me. But I was like, oh, this feels really good. And then I got to school and was pretty severely disappointed with what I was experiencing. Mm. And I was the same. I was kind of just nerdy. I, so I didn't have a sports background, but I was had my face buried in computers and books for years and years. And I had like a personal space bubble that was very huge. <laughs> Once I got to chiropractic school, I was like, oh my yep. God, we have to touch each other like right away. Right. <laughs> so I had to yes. really confront like, oh, which is what actually led me to eventually um, – do pelvic care instead of chiropractic for a while, because mm -hmm. that's when I learned from spiritual healers is when I learned to actually use touch in a really honoring healing way. I felt chiropractic school. And in my experience, like I also have a degree in communication. So when we were taking classes that would teach us like how to listen to patients and most of the students weren't interested in those classes, at least when right. and where I was going to school. And I was like, these are the best, these are the most important classes. There's like mm -hmm. four people in the class. Yeah. Um, and so yeah. that was disappointing to me too. And I just never, I was like, we're putting these huge impulses into people's system. And I just feel like chiropractic has the potential to be so deeply healing in people's bodies. Mm -hmm. But what we're doing often without realizing it is traumatizing people because we don't know how to stop and listen. Yes. Uh, and and it, so this here's the bigness of the adjustment, right? The 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 adjustment is actually happening from the reception, and then the adaptation and the integration from the receiving, right? And what people miss out on is if you treat this body like machine that I'm going to do something to, and there's not the opening for reception and or adaptation and or integration, then there was no adjustment made. That was a manipulation and that manipulation can cause trauma, like exactly like you said. Yeah. So then how do you determine that there's an opening? You have to listen mm -hmm. and wait for, cause there's like these little openings of windows and trust and all these things are happening in the connection, which requires you to do something with someone. Yeah. not to someone, which yeah. is, which is massive. And it makes, to me, it makes all the difference. And I agree, like, hope, uh, that's why, and that's why I do what I do. Right. It's like, yeah. I'm, I'm hoping that this starts to spill over more and more and more. And you know, what a beautiful thing it would be that every chiropractic school understands that's even that simple principle of, I need to connect with this person before I try to correct this person. Um, because it just, I mean, the amount of trauma that would decrease um, physically, mentally, emotionally, maybe even spiritually. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> and the, the healing results that would improve um, yeah. just from that simple rule. Have you found the more, the more you trained for listening, the more um, you would get people to have emotional releases with uh, adjustments you were making? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, the one is the depths of our intentions and the depths of our being and our willingness. So it's, uh, if I create separation from me and them, then they're less likely to be vulnerable enough to go there and have emotional releases. But if I'm with them and I'm willing to feel them mm -hmm. in both their positive and or negative emotions, 
then that really does open up a space for that type of healing and expression to occur. And that meant that I needed to be able to also feel, mm-hmm. <laughs> which again was a big, big journey for me in 2018 was stepping into a whole new feeling space, yeah. which uh, may be a, another <clears throat> avenue to get into on this. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Feeling is a big part of healing, <laughs> especially mm-hmm. when we're doing like body healing and nervous system healing, I feel. Mm-hmm. If, yeah. if you want to heal it, you got to feel it. Absolutely. <laughs> And uh, one of the things that I noticed in 2018, you know, because I, I, I'm a, a big fan of Marshall Rosenberg's work, nonviolent communication. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have a lot of gratitude for Dr. Lance Von State, who's the one that was really pushing that um, or, or helping me listen better to, mm-hmm. to understand the importance of that work. And in that work, it's like I notice what I notice. I feel what I feel. It's like the first two steps, right? Yeah. Um, and of the, of the nonviolent communication process. Mm-hmm. And what I realized in 2018 was um, I had been observing what I feel. Mm-hmm. So I noticed what I noticed and then I observed what I feel. Yeah. Because I would feel the sensations, but then I would almost go third person on it and then find ways to redistribute the sensations <laughs> so that I could have a more pleasurable experience. Mm. Now I'm not saying that's a bad strategy at times because sometimes that strategy is very fucking needed because you may not be in a space that's allowing you to truly express and feel what you're feeling, right? It might not be a safe yeah. place. It may not yeah. be a sacred space for you to go through that. And so that's not necessarily a bad strategy. Um, it just depends on the environment and the space and the time. Right. I and mean- for me, Go ahead. If uh, if you're working with somebody and they're having an emotional release that ends up triggering you because you're a human, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. that's a really good strategy to help um, hold space for someone else and not get into your own stuff <clears throat> when you're supposed Absolutely. to be the one, right? Yeah, facilitating, right. right? Yes. So yeah, even in uh, the the facilitation work, absolutely. Like, you know, how do I hold space for the other to continually see themselves without trying to intermix what I'm what I'm going through as well? Yeah. Um, and um, I realized that. And that means that I really allowed myself to feel, actually feel and express tears. You know, as a, as a man, you know, we're often, we're often shamed for tears. Oh yeah. The idea that masculinity is this very specific thing hurts females and males and everybody. I agree. And that was another part of the conversation we said that we wanted to get into Yeah, is the realization that whether it doesn't matter what parts that you have or what gender you identify with, that we all have both feminine and masculine energy. Mm-hmm. It's an energy. It's not, it's not a, a matter thing. Right. Right. So with that said, you know, and one of, one of the cool books that I've read on this is being in vibration by Joseph Rael. It's a phenomenal book. Um, he talks about um, there was a certain indigenous population that when the boys turned eight, they would go to live in these dome-like structures. And from the age of eight until maturity, um, would learn about the feminine. Mm. And then the girls at the age of eight would go to live in these square structures and until maturity, learn about their masculine. Wow. 
And the power in that was that this this tribe wanted complete humans. <laughs> and I just thought that's fucking so powerful just to have that vis- that visual representation yeah. of this concept. Because the truth is, there's a lot of half people walking around, then getting into relationship to then rely on the energy that they've been neglecting and then then ending up in codependence. Absolutely. And that's a that's a big concept that you know me and my wife have been working through and we're really trying to help educate others. It's not codependence, it's co-leadership. Yeah. And you don't you don't reach co-leadership until you have taken ownership of your masculine and feminine energies. Now, you may be dominant in one mm-hmm. and you may have greater expressions in one and that's okay. But yeah. you can't neglect the other. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> Shit. That last that last little flow was a little masculine one that got damn <laughs> got it in me. You know. Well, <laughs> uh, my teacher Tammy Kent always talks about um she talks about this concept a, a lot. How that masculine energy, it's it's not negative. It's just that it's not always necessarily meant to to be in in charge really it's like we like you say we have to connect before we correct if you're you listen first and then and that's what when you go on those flows you're you're kind of channeling and so there's a real Mm -hmm. feminine there's a real feminine piece of that because it doesn't come you know it just it's coming through in order for it to come through there has to be receptivity exactly yes yes look at you sister enlightening enlightening (laughs) mind i love that i always have big breakthroughs with you so here's a big breakthrough that just came through when you were going through that um, we talked about, you know, again, you could, some people aren't, do perceive masculine as bad or perceive even feminine as bad, depending on where you're coming from. Yeah. But a, a similar analogy is, you know, often, often chiropractors will communicate, uh, the sympathetic response of a nerve system as bad, mm. but that, that is also useful, right? So it's what's, what the, the issue, the dysfunction is when it becomes chronically patterned in a way that is ultimately not being an asset to that person's being. Yeah. Right. And it gets stuck. Yeah. Cause we should be dynamic and be able yeah. to go along the spectrum based on what the needs of ourself and the needs of our environment and the needs of others are. And if we're hyper, hyper, hyper for a certain amount of time that is stuck in that pattern, that becomes the dysfunction. So it's the same thing with sympathetic versus parasympathetic states of the nerve system. Yeah we should be able to go across the spectrum. When I need a sympathetic response, I want to be able to have a sympathetic response. When I need a parasympathetic response, I need to, I need to be able to have a parasympathetic response. But being stuck in one is the damage. Yes. That's yes. a great analogy to the the idea of hypermasculinity too. We've just gotten stuck there. It's not really anybody's fault who's actually walking around on the earth right now. <laughs> We're just stuck there. We need to heal. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me more about your sacred masculine podcast. Like what inspired Absolutely. that? What inspired that for you? Um, I say a few things, uh, at the time I was involved in a lot of different, uh, businesses where I was partner mm-hmm. and I, I was feeling a need of individual expression, meaning like I, to have something that could just come forth that didn't have to compensate that, you know, didn't have to 
kind of kind of always be thinking of how that would be a reflection of somebody else or another group or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. So that was one of the reasons. Um, another reason was there was some very interesting shit going down in my life. <laughs> and I'm like, I got to be able to capture this shit because this is like borderline, like unreal. Um, and so as a real quick, what was happening is I found out my grandfather passed away the day after Thanksgiving, hmm. four months prior to his actual passing, I experienced his death in a sacred plant medicine ceremony. Mm-hmm. And the day my grandfather passed, um, I ended up having one conversation with my nano, uh, which is his wife and told her about this whole process. And then anyway, this, you, it's episode one. If you want to listen to a sacred masculine podcast, episode yeah. one is called rest in power. Now, in this, later that day, I talked to my mom, which me and my mom have had um, a dissonant relationship for the last 19 years after the passing of my brother. And mm-hmm. um, if you're interested in that, that's episode three. But <laughs> yeah. in that conversation, I so my first, my first ceremony in that way had happened uh, January 1st of 2018. After the first one, I got this big flash of insight that I was like, my mom needs this. Because in that ceremony, um, what it really allowed for was to understand that like, and have a very physical experience that we are so much more than this limited physical being and what can feel really heavy at times, you know, especially, uh, guilt and shame Mm. and regret, which are like consuming energies, which my mom was going through a lot because she lost her son in 99 and then it was, uh, I think, three years later that she ended up leaving um, and basically running away yeah. uh, and, and from her from her three her three other boys. And um, she was carrying a lot of weight. Mm-hmm. And I was like, she needs this, you know, because I've always wanted my mom to heal. Like, and I've let go of so much, you know, and I have nothing but love and appreciation for her. Um, and I've just wanted her to heal because, like, I'm like, she doesn't need to keep walking with this. Yeah. And um, so I set that kind of an intention and planted that seed. And the day when I my grandfather passed and I, I gave her a call that evening and I told her this, the story about how I had experienced his death. He wanted to give me his his bare medicine, knowledge and wisdom and like the whole experience of that. And and um, and then how a song had come through for him and I had done the song. And, and after I'm done, she's like. I'd be interested in doing something like that with you. Hmm. And I was like, this fucking shit's crazy. Like we, yeah. <laughs> this needs to be documented. Like, so that was, that was also part of the sacred masculine podcast, like the launch date. But I would say the maybe the bigness of it is an offering to humanity showcasing um, someone who is willing to find the rhythm between feminine and masculine energies. And um, yeah, and so I I believe there's a lot of males in my life that are are learning a lot through this this podcast and females. Mm -hmm. But ultimately like what what I had previously been around and perceived is that the men 
that we're often talking more about femininity were dominant feminine. Mm. And I think it's really powerful to be able to see a man that has at the very least historically shown up really masculine and has a lot of masculine traits also honor the feminine. Absolutely. I mean, (laughs) anybody who knows me from like two years ago, I would have (laughs) said, I can't believe I'm saying this out loud right now. I would have said, I don't want to hang out with any males, any chiropractors or anything, even peripherally related to sports. (laughs) 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 And so, and then, you know, like last year, it was really early January or late December when I had this thought because I really, for some reason, strongly was like, it's time for me to integrate more masculine. Um, And it's time for me to stop being afraid of some of the chiropractic adjusting that I've been afraid of. And so I felt this really strong call my brain just was like, you got to go online and look for adjusting videos. And and I was like, the millennials are getting older. There has got to be better quality stuff out there by now. <laughs> and then I pretty much immediately within a day or so found all your videos. And like all of that feeling of, I don't want to be around sports. I don't want to be around masculine. I don't want any of that just disappeared because there was that honoring of the feminine and you didn't have to say it with words. It just was there. So you saw it in the video. Yeah, I did. What what did you see that um that helped uh resonate that there was an honoring of the feminine? I'm interested. Um well, I first purchased like the the cervical module, the cervical adjusting module where you're teaching how to do neck adjusting. Mm-hmm. Um and well, it starts out with a be love process. And that was it. That was really it. That's when I knew like the fact that you're even saying those words and that you're telling us to slow down. Like that's what I had been looking for in chiropractic that I hadn't found yet. And to be fair, I wasn't after a while, I stopped even trying to look very hard. So I'm sure, I'm sure there's a lot more wonderful chiropractors out there and you've introduced me to so many. Um, So -hmm. some of that was my own just kind of hiding and being in an area where there's a lot more the other side of chiropractic. So it just wasn't that available to me, but yeah, it was, it was in all those little moments. And then as I watched more videos and then went to your training camp, I saw that it was really threaded all the way through. And so it was very, it was a very grounded honoring of the feminine coming through masculine energy, which I thought really meant that things were actually shifting. Hell yeah. Hell yeah, Yeah. sister. Yeah. About about damn time, man. Fuck. (laughs) Yeah, it's been... (laughs) It's a little late, but it's fine. It's coming. It's coming now. Um, so what does the sacred masculine actually mean to you? Simply put, uh, sacred masculine is, is you could say, a balancing. I like rhythm, mm-hmm. a rhythm and reverence for feminine and masculine. Yeah. Rhythm. I like, rev- I like reverence and I like rhythm. Um, and that's like kind of even the opening <laughs> Welcome to the Sacred Masculine Podcast. This is Meta bringing you rhythm and reverence for the sacred dance between feminine and masculine energy. And so, yeah. yeah, that's that's what it is, you know. Like simply put, and then you can go on, you know, you know, more strategy and detail for that. But it's somebody that would respect the listening as much as the doing, right? Mm-hmm. The receiving as much as the giving. Um, the creativity as much as the logic. Uh, so like, it's just, you could think of it as a left brain, right brain thing, which you can also mm-hmm. think of as a feminine masculine thing, mm-hmm. um, which is like kind of been like, again, there's another big theme uh, of 2018 and really actually through the Toltec Oracle and Toltec Wisdom, 
I'm learning a lot more about it too. Um, historically, like if we talked about light and dark or like evil and, and righteous or good and bad, they were often like pitted against each other, mm-hmm. right? Like as these, like this battle. Um, but ultimately it's like understanding that uh, we carry both, right? In order to be of great light, you will catch cast a great shadow mm. and you got to be able to navigate and honor the the lessons that are, are in, in both of those things. Yeah. And otherwise, like I said, if we just try to neglect that other part of ourself, we will create dissonance, we will create suffering, and ultimately we'll create disconnection from the depths of who we are. And so it doesn't mean I have to express um darkness or I need to express evil or I need to express those types of things, but I need to fucking listen to it. Like, cause the, like we all get these thoughts and we all have these opportunities to learn from it. And so being open to learn in the, in the low times as much as the high times and um, really work this spectrum. And it takes a, uh, it takes a lot of trust it takes support. You know, I think that's a, that's another fuck, man. So I'm going to talk about another big feminine trait that, that um, I've really learned I needed to continually learn and, and hopefully evolve in is the ability to receive support mm-hmm. <laughs> and the ability to, to give support from a, in a feminine way, which is different. Cause I feel like there's support that can happen in a very masculine way. Mm-hmm. That's like an outward energy then there's support that can happen in this like invitation of, yeah. So it's like, yeah, learn, learning those. And, you know, for me, you know, receiving support has been, has been really hard, you know, especially like a lot of the positions I've shown up in life has been in leadership. And so, you know, being able to, to ask for support when it's needed um, and, and being, and not even just asking for su- support, receiving it. Yeah. <laughs> That's the hard part. That's the hard part. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but oh the lessons, man. Oh the lessons. Um, I think it was Tammy who in one of the classes I took with her was talking about I think it was her, I'll have to go f- look for sure, but was talking about some indigenous cultures and how they would um automatically support the shaman. So like everyone would feed and clothe and shelter the shaman. And so it wasn't like that was the leader and they're responsible for everything and for taking right. care of everyone. But we were like, oh, they, they had a certain role and it was really sacred and um, they were just taking care of all the basic needs and stuff. And we're really missing that in our culture too. You're missing that massively. And um, I'm so glad you brought that up in uh, the last podcast I had with Daniel DiPiazza, I think it was uh, episode five, the pain of leadership. We talk a lot about that. Like, unfortunately, current styles of leadership, everybody's looking for support. Yeah. And not really honoring the support that you need to also give Yeah, to those people. Because, like, you know, there's, there's a really cool image that was going around, you know, social media. And it was showing um, it was showing a pack of dogs in the snow, right? These huskies. Mm-hmm. And the leader at the front needing to pave the way and how much more energy that takes. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah. And then like, when you talk about the shaman, like 
to continually journey into the outer worlds or the inner worlds or the underworlds, whatever you want to call them, mm-hmm. uh, it takes a lot of energy and also pose a lot of risk. Yes. And however, like the gifts and the gems and the wisdom that are in those places are massively valuable to the mass consciousness. And that if we want to continue to evolve and do so in a way that's honoring and not just continually, you know, destroying our leaders and the ones that are willing to take the risk, then we need to find creative ways to also support them. Yeah. Um, my mentor, Dr. Talsky, he talks about, you know, a lot of rising stars quickly become falling stars um, when they're out of right relationship uh, yeah. with the giving and the receiving. And um, yeah, it's a very important concept that I think the the world needs right now. Very much so. And in our profession, if you're a leader, you're really sticking your neck out because we have a yeah. tendency of not being very nice to each other. Something else that needs a shift. That's a whole other thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Um, so uh, one other thing I wanted to ask you about before we wind down. Um, there, In one of my holistic pelvic care classes, probably two years ago, I would say maybe three, Tammy Kent was in front of all these women who are learning how to help females release trauma and tension from the pelvic floor. And so we're mm-hmm. very focused, obviously, on the female and those issues. But she did tell us in this class, she said, I know this is going to be hard to hear, but you all need to really understand that the males are hurting a lot right now. Mm. And they're in a lot more pain even than the females generally, because we've really pushed, like we've been pushing pretty hard for our own healing for a long time. And so we've made a lot of strides. And it it was funny because myself included had a hard time even hearing that. (laughs) But this woman speaks a lot of truth. So I also learned how to like let those things settle when I wasn't quite ready to hear it. But could you speak a little bit about to that? Because I know you mentor a lot of males, especially within Mm -hmm. chiropractic. Um, How do you see... Um, healing happen in that masculine realm? And what do you feel like they need to continue finding healing and peace? Uh, I'll I'll start with our own suffering never needs to negate somebody else's. Yes. Right. And so I think that's what we see a lot in these spaces, like in conversation is because we're either, you know, strong for, black rights and equality or female rights and equality or, or, you know, transgender rights and equality that what can happen is it becomes very polarized. Yeah. And, and in that we stop listening. Right. Mm -hmm. So anytime you get too polarized in your own suffering and needs and everything else, that's very masculine. Yep. (laughs) And um, because you stop listening and hearing what the needs of others are, and you're, 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 yeah, so like to me, regardless of gender, regardless of race, regardless of religion, regard, regardless of sexual preference and identity, like you name it. Yep. Um, I go back to uh, Marshall Rosenberg's like uh, words of, you know, I need to respect and value my needs as much as others. Mm-hmm. And so even that that principle right there could cover a lot of ground from the, the initial question you just posed. Yeah. And in that, um, like I understand like both sides are hurting. 
Yeah. And some are more vocal than others. And some have had it, you know, definitely, you know, you could talk about, you know, Jewish people and like the route that they've had and mm-hmm. all time. I mean, there's a lot, there's been a lot of hurt and suffering in this planet. Yeah. You know? Um, and we're just and, now we're just now starting to understand how that actually passes through energetically. Oh my goodness! And yes. all that kind of stuff, which is a whole other topic. But yeah, but, uh, yeah. So, but the, I mean, there's there's definitely a few things going on in in being a man right now. Um, one of the things that's very interesting that I recently was talking to a friend about, actually our nanny, um, is like consent culture now mm. is is making it. Very, very. Int- I don't want to say difficult because, like, I mean, uh, is but it's it's it can be. I mean, you could fuck it. You could say difficult um, and challenging to navigate that, especially as a man right now. Um, for instance, when when being intimate with someone, um, they are what I what I would what she was saying is that they're scared to do anything and even scared to ask consent because then by asking consent would like ruin the actual connection and intimacy, hmm. you know? So it's like, you know, cause we have those moments like where you like, you want to be there with someone and just like allow that sacred dance and connection to continue. And so like, it's scared to make a move and also like scared to ask, ask, you know, it's like, it's just a very interesting space. Um, and I think that's for both parties, but I mean, just traditionally definitely more, more men making the move right to, Oh, yeah. are we going to the next step, next level, whatever that is. Yeah. Um, and we don't talk about sexual education at all really. And so most people don't have words or ability to communicate around it. Cause we don't, right. we, we do a terrible job teaching people about. Yeah. And, that, that's, yeah. and that's, that's something I would even love to help get more educated on and wisdom on. And you know, it's funny. I was actually having this conversation with my wife last night about, um, I feel like as we, as we grow in awareness and consciousness that we start to lift veils of previously thought and constructed patterns of expression. Yeah. So like, um, for me, one of the first veils that I lifted was on religion. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I grew up very Christian mm-hmm. and after the death of my brother, it was very quick that our family lost religion. It was hard to believe in this all knowing, all powerful, all present God that allowed my 18 year old brother to pass and his girlfriend, yeah. um, in a car accident. I was like, this didn't make sense. Right. Like, yeah. what? I don't get this. Um, and then, you know, from that just uncovered a little you know, more things and more things and you watch zeitgeist and <laughs> all this yeah. other stuff. Right? <laughs> yeah. And so I started peeling back, you know, the veil of religion and seeing like, what is it that is true here for me? Right. And, and then starting to understand like the principles of all religion and the communication through parable and everything else. Yeah. So that was one of the first veils I lifted. One of the next veils I lifted was health. Um, so most, the majority is, is medically, uh, brainwashed, you know, to, to think that they need something from the outside in, uh, to heal and don't give enough, um, emphasis and priority and understanding and an acknowledgement to the inner wisdom that is constantly, um, doing what it can to help us heal from the inside out. And so I realized, you know, for me, I haven't had any type of medication over the counter, you name it, 
um, in eight years. My kids have never had any type of medication. Um, it's just like we eat good food. We get good movement. We get adjusted. We go outside. We put our feet in the dirt. Like okay. there's a lot of ways, you know, to be healthy that uh, do not need you to rely on medication. And that's just an expression and that's what's real for me. Yeah. Another veil that's getting lifted is like schooling systems and government. And, you know, so it's like you just continue to progress in the one that – I know is coming very soon is like the veil of relationship, mm-hmm. um, the veil of monogamy, mm-hmm. you know, the veil of um, like just like more talking about sex in general. Yeah. Um, and so I'm excited for that, that education understanding um, to continue. And I'm more than open um, to, to having greater understanding, but back to, back to the, the male thing. Um yeah, I mean, again, one of the big things is uh, males often feel their value from what they can produce, yeah, and how they provide, and then are often shamed for not providing. Mm. Or if, like, if, like, for instance, like, if a male was going to stay at home and be with kids, or if the male was going to whatever, like, they would be shamed by other men, yeah, um, and potentially shamed by society, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, for showing their feelings, you know, yeah. if they if they have expressions of feelings, um, that's often shamed again either by other men or by society or whatever yeah. for not being quote unquote strong and like yeah you know, so they 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 have their own you know issues and mental issues and 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 in need and a great need for safe places because that shit eats people up yeah even if it's not being able to be showcased on on the outside the more I'm realizing the more that I'm able to help craft sacred and safe spaces for those emotions to come through, they do. Yeah. And I'm seeing it more with men than with women because yeah. there's a lot more repressed with men, exactly. especially when, when it's like sadness and tears, you know, yeah. or feelings of weakness or whatever it is. It's like, and it's a beautiful thing to be able to, to, to have those places. And um, hopefully that's where we go from here is to continue to open up those opportunities so that we are stepping into co-leadership and um, that it's possible for a female in a relationship to be more masculine than her male counterpart or her female counterpart or whatever it is. That it's a dynamic that needs to exist in like this like rhythm and in this dance between the two or three or four or whatever it is right (laughs) yeah uh, (laughs) oh that's so that's amazing and i know we could probably keep talking about these topics forever and that we both also have patience and work to get to so um thank you so much for being on the podcast and for sharing your wisdom and for all the work that you do i'm very grateful and i know a lot of other people are too um, Thank you for having me. Yeah, you're welcome. Could you please share how people can find you online if they want to know more about you? Absolutely. Um, if you go to at Dr. Brett Jones on Instagram, uh, Dr. Brett Jones on YouTube, Dr. Brett Jones on Facebook. Um, and then if you're interested, if you're a healer or chiropractor out there in the world, um, Kairos Training Culture is a lot of the training that we do around the world. And um, yeah, and then maybe I'll send uh, some links that can get posted uh, on the show notes. Perfect. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to the Vital Vagina podcast. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and share with your friends.
This episode concludes our first season, but we'll be back soon for season two. If you have any questions, comments, or would like to be part of future episodes, please get in touch with me at vitalvagina.com.